This is Conversation 11. It primarily focuses on Bob's involvement with the Chinese mob here in the U.S. as well as a trip to Hong Kong. As you recall, at the end of Episode 10, Bob is introduced to the Chinese mafia by Alderman Rohde, Pat Marcy's hovering in the background, and Bob's touch point is a young enforcer named Lenny Chow. Here we go, Conversation 11. He was well-known all throughout the country as one of their top enforcers. He was a young kid. He was only about 17, 18. He was a very young kid. But when they had, they had gone to Boston, because they had the same problem there, what the, what the Chinese did was they brought in every city, major city would have a Chinatown. And in the Chinatown, you have, you have what they call Chinese casinos. The Chinese come in there and they play it's some kind of a dice game. I mean, I've watched it, but had no idea. They're not regular dice. They're like little chips, you know, little uh, chips that they throw back and forth. And they bet big money on it. And the house makes a fortune because the house takes like 2% from every pot. And there's, and there's sometimes thousands of dollars in each pot. You know, they're all around the table and, and they're betting both ways or whatever. But it's a real, real a big money maker. In fact, when they raided the Chicago place, they got over a million dollars in cash out of the casino there. What the Chinese do was they were bringing in all these kids from from the mainland and bringing them, you know, bringing them into into the U.S. and they brought them in to work the casinos. And what ha- what happened over a period of years was some of these kids would be there to guard the casinos and to walk the people from you know from the casino back to their car and whatever. Uh, when the kids would get older and they'd want a bigger piece of the pie, what happened in Chicago and the same thing was happening in Boston, these guys, these kids would break off, start their own faction, and they would wind up coming in there and they would wind up extorting the restaurants and and extorting even the game to keep them from robbing the game. And uh, and they would they would go along with it somewhat. It would happen in Chicago, and it was the uh, the one. It was the the head of the gang, the opposition gang in Chicago. There were there were former Gosheto, you know, kids. He was uh, he had been extorting the businessmen, and he came and he started coming in. Then they wanted more money from these restaurant tours, and uh, that's why they they brought Lenny Chow and three others in from New York and from Boston to Chicago, and they were basically going to threaten them and tell them you better not or something's going to happen. They were up on the balcony there at the China, what they call the Chinese Palace at Twenty Second Wentworth. From the balcony, they shoot this one guy. He was not supposed to be anywhere around the, uh, you know, the dice game. And they saw him. They saw him pull up there, and they saw him get out of the car. And it was. And it looked like he was going to come over, you know, towards the place. Obviously, you know, to rob him or to do something. Anyway, they, they just shot him, and the guy winds up dying. He died about about maybe three or four months afterwards. But they get charged with murder. Just behind his car was a squad car. And the, the policemen were there in the restaurant, you know, having a bite to eat. When I met with Wilson, he had, they had another attorney already in Chicago. And there was an attorney involved, Danny Gotland, an attorney from New York, who, who at that time would represent their people all around the country. I can represent you. I said, I knew the lawyer that he had here. He was a good friend. He was a friend of mine. Let me get the file on the case. Let me find out what it's all about. And We'll meet again and we'll find out, you know, what we're going to do. So after I get the file and I see what it's all about, I meet him again, again, at the same place. And we're talking about representation. And he said, you know, well, he said to me, uh, what, what, are you, what are you going to charge? <laughs> and, and what I told him was, I said, well, I said, 
And what I can do, I said, if you want to, if you want a, uh, if you want a jury trial, it'll be twenty, it'll be twenty five thousand. And I said, if you want a bench trial, I said it'll be a hundred thousand. <laughs> and he said, well, what, 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 what do you mean? I said, well, I said that's what I'm going to charge. I said because with a jury. And I and I talked and I talked in circles. So I'm, my thought again is, if anybody is listening to this, if this guy is wearing a wire, and if anybody's listening to this, they're never going to be able to say that you know that I'm I'm telling them we're going to fix the case. I said I have, I have a pretty good idea on a bench, on, you know, on a bench trial, what the outcome would be. I said, well, the jury, you'll never know. I said because I. I had a number of cases with a number of these judges and whatever, and I just used a lot of mumble jumble. Anyhow, it's going to be a hundred thousand for a bench and twenty five thousand for the jury, and uh, he indicates we'll we'll take the bench. Easy decision, right? <laughs> he says, "Well, we'll take we'll take the bench." I says, "Get me a check for uh, ten thousand, and uh, and I'll follow my appearance." And he says, "Is it okay if I pay you cash?" <laughs> is it okay if I pay you cash? And I said, that's not, well, that's not a problem. And uh, that's how I got involved, you know, with this case. And now, and now I go back and I talk with Pam. And I said, I met with these people. And I told them, I said, uh, you know, the, the, the case was up before Tom Maloney, who I hate and who hates me. And that was a real interesting what happened during that trial. I know he's not going to dare find these guys guilty when Pat's the one that's arranged everything. But so, he'd love to, to dig it, dig it into you, right? If he could. Oh, he tried. That's a story in itself what I did during that trial. Well, we'll, get, we'll get into that. But what, is, what does Marcy say when you go back to him? So I said, you know, okay. I said, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a hundred thousand from him. I said, I've already got ten thousand. I said, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna charge him a hundred thousand. Oh wow, you know, that's great. <laughs> Is that he, the biggest and, reaction you've seen on a Marcy ever? Probably. And and then he, then he says, you know, well, what do you want? You know, I'm not gonna do this for no three thousand dollars this time. I said, we should split it. We should split it. No, why don't we give you about maybe uh, 10 or 15? And I said, anyhow, we negotiate it down to where I'm going to get 25. They wanted 25 to start with. I got 100. I'm getting 100. And he wants you know, and he wants to give me like 10. I agree to do it for, for 10. But I'll tell you the reason why I want to do this case. Number one, I'm thrilled that obviously I'm no longer on the hit list. Although I'm still being, I'm still being somewhat careful. I don't, but I don't check every morning under my car for bombs and stuff. I realize how powerful these people are. When I'm talking with Wilson Moy and I'm over there, I realize Eddie Chen is one of the most powerful Chinese people here, not just in the country, but around the world. And these are big, big money people. And when he tells me, can we, can we pay you cash rather than the other? I want to get involved with these people. Unbelievable. The cases I got and the money I got from these people and whatever. And what, what happens too now is Wing is their main enforcer who comes in uh, to work with me. I'm taking him around so he can see what kind of power I've got in the city. He sees it when I'm in, in front of City Hall. The policemen are par stopping me, parking my car. I take him with me into the courthouse and the other places. He sees how people treat me. Now, what's this individual's uh, name again? Wing? Wing, Wing Chin. So he's an enforcer the, uh, from New York that comes in. He travels all around. Whenever there's a murder, whenever, whenever you know somebody winds up getting killed, and it happens a lot because of all these feuds going, 
and I got involved in three different cases. Wing Wing was a big, powerful Chinese guy who was also apparently, you know, uh, with Kung Fu and all the rest of it. But he was feared all around the country because when he showed up, people knew that, you know, who he was and what his reason was. He was with these people were the ghost shadow. The ghost shadow, the, the only young and the ghost shadow are the most powerful Chinese tongue all around the world. Uh, and Eddie Chan, as I say, was the chairman uh, here. They controlled all the narcotics. They controlled all the commodities. They controlled all this stuff. They're the ones who brought all the people in from, from the mainland. They smuggled them in here so they could work the card games and the gambling operations, both in Chicago, New York, Houston, New Orleans, Boston. And what, what got them so enthralled with me, they had been told, I'm sure, by the aldermen and by Wilson. I was part of the mob in Chicago. What happened, too, now with Wing while he was here, when we finished up with the Lenny Chow case, Wing tells me, you know, they're going to kill us. The opposition gang here, he said, was going to kill us. When I was supposed to go over, I had only gotten 10000 I was supposed to get the other 90000 from, uh, you know, from uh, Wilson over in Chinatown. Because I said to Pat, again, I said, can we trust them for the money? He said, believe me, you know, we can, we'll get the money. Don't worry about it. So all we had was 10000 when the case was over, you know, and Wing tells me we're sitting there in the courthouse waiting for Maloney to come in to give his decision. And he says, if he, if he finds him not guilty, uh, these these guys or the other gang is going to kill us. And OK, I don't say anything. When we finish up, I took the kids. I call them the kids because they, they were they were young. Lenny Chow himself was only like about 18 years old. We uh, I take them out. My car was parked out in front. And I, I get him in the car and I take him with me over to the uh, Ambassador East. That's where they were staying. And I call some friends of mine. I call a couple of detectives from the extradition unit and I tell them, you know, I need a favor. Can you guys come over here? I want to tell, I want to talk to you about something. And, uh, so they come over and I told them, I said, look, I said, you know, somebody supposing is going to kill these kids. Can you take them over to the, take them to the airport and stay with them? and stay with them until they get in the plane to make sure that they get, you know, they get back to New York. Okay, not a problem. I mean, here, Wing is watching this. He checks out of the, out of the hotel, and we walk, we walk back over to, uh, to my place, and I got him a gun. We take a ride over to Chinatown. And when we get there, there had to be about maybe 30, 40 people outside the one restaurant, and Wilson is there. And, you know, oh, wow, great, you know, terrific. And, and we, go, we go back into place, and he's got an envelope, a big FedEx envelope. It's full of money, but obviously it's not 100000 you know. And, and he, says, he says, here, he says, here's 25000 He said, and the chairman, he said, the chairman wants to meet you in New York. He wants you to meet some people. He'd like you to represent us all around the country. And, uh, but he said he wants, he wants to show you a good time. He wants, he's throwing a special, you know, get together and he's got people from around the country coming in so they can all meet you. <laughs> so, uh, well, I'm game. And, uh, and presumably so this back. is where you'll pick up the rest of the cash. Yeah. You know, he'll, he'll have the rest of the money. I come, I come back to counselors. I come back. I'm, like, I'm going to fly out there that, that same afternoon. I'm going to fly out there. Why not? It's only like about a, not less than a two hour plane ride from, you know, from Midway. I go back and I see Pat. I, I said, I've got 25,000. 
I said, I'm supposed to go to New York and pick up the rest. And he says, no, 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 that's not going to happen. You're not going to go there. You're not going, you're not going any place to pick up, you know, to pick up the money. I says, Pat, I can't embarrass these people. I mean, you know, they want me to go. No, no. And I said, Pat, you know, I'm going to go. Well, he says, well, okay. He says, but if you go, he says, don't stop in Atlantic City on your way back. <laughs> <laughs> meaning don't blow the money. Yeah. They all know that I'm a big gambler. So so I go to New York and I fly there with Wing and we we fly we fly into the airport and when we come walking out, here's three of these I call them, call them kids because he goes like we're real young and they take my luggage and we go out and they've got two Mercedeses parked out there in the front and we get in the we get in the car, we drive over to this funeral home. It's over there I think on Mott Street, as I remember. In Soho in uh, New York City, Manhattan. We walk into this funeral home and uh, a real old building. It stinks in there because they've got all this food there. They they put all this food on the floor. You know, it's for the spirits or something of those that you know, those that when they die, the place just looks filthy. It looks old and dusty and and it's got these huge. The ceilings are are you know way 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 up there. How high? I don't I don't know exactly, but I mean way up there. We walk towards the back on the right hand side, and we walk into this room. Holy Christ! We walk in there with the high ceilings, and as I look in there, here's Eddie Eddie Chan. He's sitting at a desk that's up on like a podium, and he's got on the one side of him. It turns out he's got a marshal, a U.S. marshal, on the other side he's got a uh, a lieutenant there, a police lieutenant. You know, they're both in plain clothes, but I find out it's a it's a local police lieutenant, and behind him. There had to be a hundred pictures in the wall with him shaking hands with presidents and governors and, and, and mayors and all kinds of other politicians and all kinds of movie stars. You know, and I sit down in front of him. I'm sitting down, you know, in the lower area in front of him with Wing next to me. And the first thing he says to me, he speaks real broken English and Wing speaks English and not a whole lot better. He says, I've heard so much about you because when, when I was in Chicago, too, with Wing, I wouldn't let him pick up any bills. I picked up all the checks and, and I took him into some of these gambling operations that were going on. And you saw when I walked in, everybody, you know, everybody knows me, you know, with the interaction with the police and with the restaurants. So everybody, you know, everybody paid attention to me. He says, he, Wing told me, you know, you know, how, you know, how good, how good you were to him. He says, how much money do you have with you? And now, you know, what? <laughs> He's, and, and I had about maybe five or 6,000 in my pocket. And he says, I want you to give him all your money because we don't want you spending anything. He tells me in, in broken English, he says, you, you pick up all the bills. You not pick up any bills here. Uh, we pick up all the bills. And they tell me they've got a room for me over at the Vista Hotel. All kinds of things planned for me. Got a dinner for you over at one of the restaurants and I've got some people I want you to meet. I give them my money. We don't want you even giving tips. We'll do all that. When we leave there and we walk out, the restaurant we're going to is probably about a block and a half, two blocks away. As we're walking in the street, all these people are basically bowing, you know, because of him. You've got him, 
with me standing, me standing next to him. We got one of the policemen walking, one of them walking in front, one walking behind, uh, and there's Wing, there's a couple of other people, you know, that were over there in the funeral home that came. So as we're walking, everybody is like, you know, all but bowing as we're, as we're walking by, and he's nodding and all these different people. And we go into this restaurant, and we go up, and it was the same restaurant where Probably about a year later, uh, somebody came in with a machine gun and killed a bunch of people. It was that same place, a huge, huge restaurant. What they had up on the second floor, a, a curtain that went all the way across the whole room. And they had about three quarters of it cut off with this curtain. We walk into this into this huge room. There's one table up on like a podium way at the far end. And all throughout the restaurant, there had to be about I'd say about 20 of these tables that were, were spread out. Every, every seat was taken. When we were brought in, were, we were sitting up there in the top, and all the people now were already sitting in there as we came in. And they're bringing all kinds of food out. They filled all these, these waiters, bringing out all kinds of food. The tables are all full of food. And I'm, and I'm talking with Eddie somewhat. Eddie's saying, oh, you know, Wing tells me how good you were. And, and uh, and I can imagine the stories he told, especially when, you know, he says, you know, they're going to kill us. And I just, you know, I got him a gun and off we go. After about 15 minutes, I look up and everybody is watching us. You know, everybody's looking at us and nobody's eating. And our table, our thing too was, you know, full. And we're, and some of them were all sitting there, you know, talking while we're talking. They're all watching us. And I said, how come nobody's eating? And he says, because they're waiting for you to eat first. You're the guest of honor. And I look at this table and there wasn't a single thing that I was going to eat. It was all this fancy vegetable stuff. And no, I've never eaten vegetables. I would not eat vegetables. And all that stuff was this fancy bird nest soup and all the other stuff. But I just said, and I had already been told, you can't embarrass them, you know, by not eating. Well, I'm not going to eat stuff I don't like. What I what I said to him was, I said, I'm allergic to vegetables. <laughs> I said, so, I said, well, what can we get? So I said, well, maybe some fish, eggs, some egg drop soup, and other things, but no vegetables. What he does too now after after we finish up there, he walks me around to every table, and you know this is this is our lawyer. From now on, anytime you have a problem, you you, you call me. And when, when he's talking about his serious problems, like somebody getting killed, uh, you call me and, and we get him. You can just imagine what kind of a time I had for three days there. Everywhere I went, a couple of girls with me. The deal I had with Eddie, he says, anytime I have to talk to you. I'll get you, you know, I'll get you 5,000, which started happening. In fact, it was a short period of time, you know, when I get a call, Wing would call me and he says, you know, Eddie wants to, Eddie wants to meet with you. So, you know, I fly out there, you know, when I meet him there at the funeral home, you know, first thing he does is, you know, he's ha he hands me $5,000 in cash. And then he says, Lenny Chow got arrested again in Boston for murder. And there were three others that got arrested with him. We want you to handle the case. And I said, okay. And, you know, I, I was there only probably about an hour or two. And I, fl and I flew back home. I make some phone calls. And I, I talked to some people there. He gave me some information. And they had a lawyer already there in Boston. And I talked to him. And, you know, and he told me what it was all about. The three of them, you know, Money Chow apparently uh, was in a, I guess it was a drugstore where you walk down the steps to go in there. And he's in there with one of the other one of the other guys from the gang. They had a gang that ran the gambling operation there. He was in there, 
and he get and he get they get jumped by a bunch of these other kids who it turns out with a connected group there in Boston, and he winds up stabbing him in the neck with a little pocket knife he had and kills him. The four of them are in custody and are charged with murder. I fly out to Boston. I meet with the lawyer who's telling me how important he is. He says, I used to represent, um, who was this guy? One of the mobsters in New York, somebody who had died like 20 years before this, you know, I represented him and I represented, he's telling me what a, you know, what a terrific lawyer he is. And, and I know the judge, I know the judge was on the case and, you know, and so forth. I'm just, I'm just listening to him. But when I meet him there, you know, I smelled alcohol. I got in there, it was around three, four o'clock and, and I can smell this. This is one of those one of those drunks. The guy I smell the alcohol in his breath. And I talked to him about you know well, the, the bond. You know we want to get a bond set. There's no bond on him, and we have to try and get a bond set. And he said, I'm you know I, I've got a bondsman. He tells me I've got a bondsman here that you know that will you know, that will set that will give us the bond when we get the bond set. And uh, and we arranged to go the next morning over into the court. So I went over and saw the kids. They were all in custody over there. I went to the jail and I talked. I talked with Lenny. Uh, it was one of the kids that was involved in Chicago, but the two others I didn't know. They were kids from. They were kids from Boston. And uh, and we go to court the next morning. When we come in there, you know, it's a big big case there. All these people hear about you know this lawyers coming in from Chicago. We get there before court opens up, and and I'm talking to a couple of these lawyers in the hall. You know, hi, how are you? Who are you? And and I said, you know, what's the story here? What, what about bonds and whatever? And they tell me. They have a system, a bonding system there. You can go in there and you can have either a, a bond where the, you have to use a bondsman where you got to pay them. You know, uh, I think you pay them like 25% or something of whatever the bond is. In Boston, too, you have to be presented to the court by a local attorney or you can't represent them. And the, the local attorney has to introduce you to the court and say that you are a fit and proper person to be handling something like this. And this lawyer is telling me he knows the judge. He's a personal friend of his. So we go in there for the hearing. The policemen testify. And after they testify, Mopi supposedly cross-examines them. I've got the, the file there. I've, I've got the reports. And he does a shitty job. You know, he doesn't bring out certain information that could have put some question about the case and whatever. And so when he finishes, you know, I said, I've got a couple questions, you know, and, and the court says, you know, well, the one attorney already spoke. And I said, you know, I'd already been introduced to the court. I was okay to represent him. And I said, there's a couple of other things that weren't brought out. And so, you know, so I asked some other questions and I cross-examined him. The, uh, the other lawyer first, you know, goes up there. And the judge indicates it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a bond with a, you know, with a bondsman. There were some, there were a lot of things I would like to bring out about these, about these boys. And there are some other facts that, that I saw that were listed in the, in the police, in the police file. Okay. What were those? I do the arguing and I asked for a state bond or whatever. And he grants it. The bond was a hundred thousand dollars. So now. I've, you know, I've saved our people, you know, I've saved our, and that was on each one of them. I saved our people about $300,000 in terms of what it would have cost them. And, uh, and when we walk out, he says, yeah, see, I told you the judge is a friend of mine. And I'm thinking you piece of shit. When you use a bondsman, I know what the rules are. The lawyers get a good portion of that money kickback, you know, from them. I've decided I'm getting rid of this guy. Uh, they reset the case. For I think it was for like a month, 
for a preliminary hearing. They called it something else, but it's like a preliminary hearing. I go meet these other lawyers. I'm going to hire three of them. There's three of them that I agreed to hire. And I'm only giving them 10000 apiece, which was a lot of money at that time. This is not my money. This is all, you know, this is all the uh, only own money. And I waited about a week, and then I called then I called Mopey back, and, you know, and he's, well, he said, you know, when are you going to come back so we can get ready for the preliminary? I, so I said to him, I said, well, I said, you're, obviously, you're a terrific attorney, I said. I'm going to hire some other lawyers, I said, because, you know, I, I'm used to being the lead attorney, and, and that might affect you. I'm trying to be nice to this trick, but I want no part of him. And I've already paid him anyhow, and, you know, I, I'm going to let him keep that money. He's not real happy about it, you know, but we hang up. And when I go to court, it was like two days later, when I come walking into the courthouse, somebody walks up and slaps me with a summons. This guy filed a lawsuit against me, indicating that I promised him $100,000 for the case, and I had only paid him twenty-five, and he wanted the other 75000 And he had gone before the court and filed a petition to have me removed from the case. And, you know, and the, the media is there. They're, they're going to have a hearing on it. The hearing is going to be at one o'clock. You know, I'm there at nine o'clock. And anyhow, you know, I'm, I'm with the other three lawyers now that, that I've already hired. We're back at their office. And, you know, if you want, we'll represent you. I says, no, no, no. I said, I'll represent myself because this guy had already gone in there and indicated that, you know, I was a fit and proper person, the rest of it. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to go out of it without a fight because number one, I'm getting, I've already been paid a hundred thousand and I'm going to wind up charging another hundred thousand or so for myself on this case. And again, I'm just, I'm not going to leave without a fight. We go in there for the hearing, you know, and these people too are telling me this guy, you know, drinks with the judge and the rest of it. And uh, so anyhow, we go in there and, I'm representing myself and he's got an attorney representing him and he goes first and he gets up there. Now the room is full of people and the media is there, TV trucks out and, you know, out in the front of the place. And, and, uh, anyhow, he indicates that it's, you know, I, I found out or something. He said that this attorney isn't a proper attorney. And cause I was, I was relatively young. I mean, I was only probably like in my, in my thirties, in my late thirties. And he gets up there and, and goes through some bullshit. And when he when he's through, I cross-examine him. And, you know, and I said, well, when I came in, you never asked me anything about my background, did you? Uh, I, I said, when, when, when we get finished, it's my turn to get up. I get up there now and and I brag about myself. I've, I've had probably 30 juries and I've won all but one of them. And, you know, on and on I go. And, uh, and when I get all finished, he gets up and he asks me, he, he asks me a question. And when he does, I says, your honor, he has an attorney. He has no standing to be asking me any questions. He, he goes to Mopey. He's right. <laughs> you know, your attorney will cross. He says, but he was able to cross examine me. <laughs> Anyhow, the ruling is that I can stay in court. We go, we, we go to the hearing and when we finish the hearing lasts about a day and a half. And when we finish with the hearing, what happens is they dismiss two of them. They dismiss two of them and they held the other two over and they held Lenny Chow and they held the kid that was in the, in the, in the drugstore, but they dismissed the murder charges against the other two kids who were back at the apartment when all this happened. So now I'm with wing back at the hotel. And Wayne comes up, and I, I told you what happened in Chicago. 
Wing tells me, I just found out these kids know who you are. They know your reputation. And if these other, and if Lenny Child, the one who killed him, is found not guilty, you know, they're going to kill us. I said to him, I said, who? I said, who Who runs the group? I said, who's the leader of, who's the leader of this gang? And he tells me, Harry Mook. And I said, is Harry Mook Chinese or is he Chinese American? And he said, he's Chinese American. I said, where does he hang out? He said, he's got a big restaurant and he's there all the time. And that's where he is. And I said, I says, get me a gun and let's go visit him. What? And I said, look, I said, he's not going to do anything in his restaurant. If he's Chinese American, he's got enough sense that nothing is going to happen in the restaurant. Let me go over and let, let me talk to him. So we head over to the restaurant. And when we come in there, he's in the back at one of those, again, big round table back in the corner. And we come walking in and uh, he's a big guy. Here's this guy. He's a real, he's probably about 200 and some pounds, about maybe 220. And looks like one pretty tough character. And he was relatively young. He was probably, I'd say, in his early 30s. And, uh, you know, when I walked in, these kids started, you know, mumbling because they had been at the court and they, they recognized me coming in there. I walk up and I said, you know, Harry, I said, you know, Bob Cooley. And, you know, and I go to shake his hand and he shakes my hand. And I says, you know, can you and I have a talk? He tells all these kids to, you know, to disappear. And, I said, listen, I said, Harry, I said, you know, this case is going to go the way it's going to go. I said, you know, you know who these people are. I said, this is Go Shadow. This is the only young. I said, these are the most, this is the most powerful tongue in the world. I said, I said, you know, you may have contacts here in Boston. Instead of fighting with these people and competing, why don't you, why don't you go, why don't you join up with them? They're having a convention in Chicago in about a month. And instead of fighting with these people, I said, why don't you join, why don't you join in with these people? I said, and uh, I'll get you an invite to the convention. So, you know, he said, wow. He said, you know, weren't you a little nervous coming in here? And I said, you know, you're not going to do anything here. Anyhow, we, we suddenly become instant friends. While we're there talking, he says to me, uh, well, listen, he said, there's somebody, there's somebody maybe you'd like to meet who can maybe, you know, who can maybe help, you know, who can maybe help you. And I said, who's that? He said, he run, he basically runs the state. He said, he said, him and his brother basically, you know, run the entire, the entire state. And, uh, you know, maybe you'd like to meet with him. I said, sure. So he arranges a lunch the next day. I go with Wing over to this hotel. And who do I meet but Whitey Bulger? You know, hi, how are you? And, and, and in fact, he told me, he said, yeah, he said, I had you checked out. He said, and he said, uh, and I and I see that you're the real deal. You had called Chicago. I don't know who he talked to there, but he had contacted somebody in Chicago. And he said, and I realized that, you know, you can be trusted. And he said, uh, you know, among other things, he said, yeah, my brother, is, is he told me his title. And he said that, you know, we have control over basically the police here. He said, and if you want, I'll introduce you to the police and you can start making payoffs and, and they'll stop, they'll stop raiding your games and the rest of it. And I just told him, I said, look, I don't, I don't want to talk to him. I said that you can introduce Wing here. So, you know, so that that's what happens now. The trial was set for about six weeks after that. And now I get a call from Wing and, you know, and he says, Eddie wants to talk to you. You know, so, you know, again, here, there's a quick 5,000. So I fly out to see Eddie and he says, we want to hire another lawyer there because, you know, he knows the judge or, or whatever. <laughs> Why do you apparently is convincing him that they've got some guy and, you know, and we want, uh, you know, and we want to hire him. We want you to hire him too. And uh, he basically, he can fix the case. And I just told him, no, 
if you've got if you've got somebody else and if he can fix the case, that's fine. I said, then I'm I'm out of it. And he said, no, 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 no. Lenny wants you. Lenny wants you. I said, no, I don't want him. And I'm not going to deal with somebody I don't know. You know, I'm going to take the case to a jury. If you want to if you want a bench trial and and you want to do it that way, so be it. I said, but I'm not going to I'm not going to represent Lenny anymore. The case isn't the case isn't ready to go for another about another three or four weeks. And I fly back home. You know, he gives me five thousand. I take it and tell him to drop dead, and I fly back home. And I get a call then again from from Wing a couple of days later, and he says, you know, please, please. He said, you know, Lenny Lenny Chow wants you as as the attorney, and we want you to come in. And I just said, no, I'm not going to do it. I get a call again about a week later. Wing, you know, says I want to come to Chicago to talk to you. So he flew into Chicago. With, in fact, he came in with a girlfriend. And after dinner, he says, well, look, he said, you know, whatever you want. He said, you know, uh, Eddie told me that, you know, he'll pay you whatever you want. But uh, he'd like you to come back and and work with them. I said, I told you no before and I'm telling you no now. I'm not going to deal with any strangers. That was the end of my that was the end of my business with the only on. I just uh, I just wouldn't do it. The Chicago mob didn't have a direct influence on the Chinese mob, but they were terrified of them. They were terrified of them. But here, here's a question I have. Do you know if the Chinese government was at all involved with the Chinese mob here? Were you ever privy they, to anything? Well, yeah. Oh yes. Oh yes. That's another story. Prior to this, I was, uh, I was their guy. I was, I was God to these people. And now we're, we're talking like the early eighties, late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, it was in the early 80s. Shortly after that, and before that case went to trial, that's when I brought Harry Mook, you know, to meet these people. And now he's connected with he's connected with all them. And, and they're connected now with Mighty Bulger and company that basically control the whole Boston area. I see that he passed away in 2020 at the age of 85. Why would they have his name someplace? Oh, they just showed that he was the leader of the gang there. Well, in, there's in no Boston. mention. There's no mention of him in a gang, but there's a mention of him as some business tycoon in Boston Chinatown and a restaurant <laughs> owner. And it's very, it's very. There's no mention of relationship to organized crime, but there's a lot of tributes to him as this um, avuncular yeah. businessman who helped people in the community. Yeah, he was much, I told you, he was, he wasn't more than a couple years older than me. When I met him I, at that time, I was in my thirties, my late thirties. Was there a direct link that you saw between the Chinese government and these Chinese mobsters? This particular time was when they announced that they were going to be allowed to do business and that's how that's why we were getting involved in this. Prior to that, they were not allowed to do any business. China could not do any business with Hong Kong. The only young was the Chinese mafia. Look up the look look up the ghost shadow. The ghost shadow, that's the Chinese mob. That's the organized crime. The one interesting about the Chinese too, with the, even with the ghost shadow and the rest of it, they did nothing basically with the Americans. And you remember when I told you when we're walking when we're walking down the street and these people are all bowing and whatever. I know the reason why now, because they were all being extorted. All these, every single one of those businesses there in Chinatown was paying a street tax. You're talking about in New York. 
in New York. Yeah. Here's the Ghost Shadows, or GSS. Again, this is Wikipedia. Was a Chinese-American street gang that was prominent in New York City's Chinatown from the early 70s to the mid-90s, formed in 1971 by immigrants from Taiwan and Hong Kong. The gang is affiliated with the An Leong Tong. Seems like the gang uh, does not exist anymore. They were actually brought down by Giuliani um, via federal RICO crackdowns. Yes, that was the case. When I was working with the feds, that's when that big indictment came down, where they indicted a whole bunch of people. Wing Yong Chan was president. And yes, Wing was indicted, uh, but so was they had a, they had they had a warrant for Eddie Eddie Chan. They had a warrant for him. He was warned and he left, and he lived in Taipei. I was invited to a convention, and I went to Hong Kong. And the reason what they wanted me to do was they wanted me to convince him it was safe to come back because they felt he believed me. But he had been warned by one of his contacts when the indictment was going to come down and he and he fled and went to uh, Taipei. When I went there, Eddie had been so good to me that I made no attempt to get him to come back. I just had a good time. <laughs> I just went there and uh, partied. When you were working for these various factions of the Chinese, American Chinese mafia, was the Chicago outfit, was Marcy trying to get a street tax from you? No, no, I never. It was, I, I never told them anything about any of these others because I know how they are. And that was, you know, if, if they had found out, you know, there's no question, they would have probably said something and, and, and I would have paid, you know, I would have, you know, and, and I was, but I had broken away anyhow, you know, before that, before they gave me that case I had broken away. I, I never talked to Pat for, for years until he contacted me, you know, on the uh, Mike Columbus case. I would, I'd be in counselors a lot walking through there and uh, spent a lot of time with George and those people that I would just say hi and goodbye. I had no reason to, you know, I wanted nothing to do with these people. You know, it's interesting. I tried to do a little bit of digging on these guys other, other than Mook, who's passed away at 85. Um, but, uh, the rest of them seem to have gone to jail for a short period of time and maybe you're out and about or it doesn't say it's 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 kind the of Chinese, pretty, you mean? Yeah, Wing Wing seems to have gone to jail for ten years. There's an article here in the New York Post about his children getting into some trouble, but this is well, two thousand five. I testified in that trial. In fact, the only ones convicted, they raided the Chinese place over there in Wentworth. They had an indictment where they indicted about twenty people. We're going to stop there. That's the conclusion of Conversation 11. Stay with us so you know when Conversation 12 drops. There's much more to come. Thanks again. Please follow us, stay connected, and spread the word.